Hey, this is Cooper Smith. I'm one of the student worship pastors at Eastview, and I'm honored to welcome you to our Eastview Students High School podcast. We hope this is encouraging, inspiring, and helpful for you in your walk with Christ. Enjoy the message. For those of you that know a little bit about me growing up, I was big time into sports. Uh, You name it, I probably played it in high school. My big things were basketball and golf in high school, and there's a lot of good memories that came with playing sports throughout junior high, high school, college too, stuff like winning tournaments and championships, practicing with teammates, hanging out with them after practice. I remember staying at hotels when we played at out-of-town tournaments, and it always turned out crazy. Um, Big crowds, making a big shot, the list goes on and on and on. Like Any of you guys that play sports, you can probably think of a bunch of different things that you love about it. But for those of you that maybe don't play a sport or can't relate to that, just hang with me because there's something that comes with sports that happens all the time. It's one of the worst things about playing a sport, the thing I don't miss at all, the punishments. The punishments, all right? Those of you in the room that have played a sport before, that are maybe in a sport right now, you cannot play a sport and not have punishment. It just comes with the decision to want to play a sport. And it's interesting, and it got really frustrating because, as you guys may know, these punishments were just random, I felt. Sometimes your coach would say, if you mess something up, hey, just give me five push-ups. You're like, all right, (laughs) it's not bad, right? And then the the next time you mess something up, they're like, tomorrow we're running six miles at 6 a.m. It's like, where's, what's the difference here? I messed up on the same thing. I mean, there's like literally no in-between. That became so frustrating to me. But if you play a sport, you understand this. That punishment comes when you mess something up. You don't do something that you were supposed to do. The coach tells you to do something, you do something different. Even like if you were to arrive to a practice late. God forbid you arrive to a practice late. That's like when the punishments are the worst Okay, but things would happen, but, and here's the thing that frustrated me the most about punishments in sports. Punishments came for you even when you didn't do something wrong, but when your teammate did. Anyone? Can can anyone relate to that? Okay, for some reason, you get punished no matter who messes up on your team. Let me give you some examples. In college, we had this thing called the 30-second drill. All right, the 30-second drill was you take the basketball court and you have to run five lengths of the court in 30 seconds, all right? So you'd go one, two, three, four, five. All right, you'd have to do it in 30 seconds. But the rule was, if one of your teammates did not cross in the 30-second time, what did you have to do? You had to do it again. You had to do it again if you didn't make it, all right? Let me tell you about one of our practices. One day... We had to do 16 30-second drills in a row. 16 in a row because one of my teammates was just slow. He was so slow. And here's the thing. It was getting ridiculous because after the first one, he missed it by a little bit. And we're like, okay, let's let's try and get the next. But by like the 10th one, the dude's missing it by like five seconds. All right, and we're like, There's no chance we do this, right? So I remember on the 16th one, we start the 30-second drill. We get two of our strongest guys that are going to sprint behind this guy, 
okay? And they start running and they put their hands on his back and they're running with him as he's running. Well, the clock's ticking down and we're about not to make it. So what we decide to do is those two guys shove him across the court and the dude slides into the line, all right? Yes, we took it to those extreme measures. We had to get it and we got it, all right? Just took a little shoving, all right? Was the guy happy? No, but we did it, all right? I remember one of my coaches had a rule that if you were late, the person that was late, you got there, you had to sit on the sideline and eat donuts while the rest of the team ran sprints. Yeah, yep, okay. And then the thing I think about the most um, was something that happened in high school. What happens was we were running this we were practicing this play, and what happens is we were turning the ball over a lot. Our coach was getting upset. He's like, all right, if you turn it over again, like, you're going to have to run. Well, one of my teammates throws this pass, and it was just an awful pass. Like 10 feet above my other teammate's head, throws it out of bounds. And so my coach goes, go and pick up the heavy ball, the guy that threw the pass, and just start running circles around. Well, the guy that threw the pass was like, well, that guy should have caught it. All right, clearly not. But my coach took advantage of that statement. And he's like, oh, he should have caught it. Okay. And he tells the teammate that clearly should not have caught the pass, take the heavy ball and start running. And we watch as this teammate, who clearly wasn't his fault, starts running laps around the gym. And he'd run one, and the coach would be like, no, you should have caught the pass, I guess. Keep running. And he'd go again and again. And he's like, well, this guy says you should have caught the pass. You need to keep. And over and over. And we're like, what in the world? This is crazy, right? That we would receive punishment. We would receive these consequences for something a teammate did. You see, consequences in sports, you get a bunch of different expressions ranging from five push-ups to running six miles, and you get it for a bunch of different reasons, whether you're late or you throw a bad pass, but you also get punished for something someone else did. Now today, we're going to talk about sin, And I know that's not the thing that we always like to talk about. We don't always like to come in Sunday morning and talk about the thing that maybe we don't really want to talk about. But you see, sin, it has consequences because it is a direct disobedience to God. That's what sin is. The definition of the word actually means to miss the mark, which actually may not sound terrible to you guys. Oh, I I miss the mark a little bit when I sin. Well, that's not that bad. But what we need to think about is that when you miss the mark of God, who is perfect, then you are really, really far off if you miss that mark. And that's what sin is. Sin has consequences. And this morning, what we must understand is that there is consequence to our sin because it's serious. Sin is a serious Thing. And that consequence, it may not just affect your heart, but the consequences of sin actually affect everyone. So where we're going to be today is in Leviticus chapter 4. Leviticus chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to that. Um, now, some of you might be like, well, didn't we just talk about this last week? I, I feel like we talked about sin last week. Well, last week we talked about this idea called shame and the guilt offering. And we ask, what can I offer God when I feel shame? Shame is a consequence of sin. 
And God had a process here for helping people get rid of their shame so they might be able to have a relationship with him. So God had a process, yes, to get rid of the consequences of sin, which was shame, but there also had to be a process for forgiving the actual sin. You see, it wasn't just about taking the feelings that come with sin and taking those away, but God was like, no, we have to get rid of the actual sin too. And I know these sound super familiar, and to be honest, I was studying it this week, and I'm like, these sound super close to each other. But I think the thing to know here is that God wanted to forgive both the feelings that came with sin and the actual sin, okay? So we talked about how last week God overcame and he cleansed the shame But this week we're going to talk about how he covers the sin. And this passage, when talking about sin, God's going to give four scenarios that happen with the people of God. If someone were to sin, he's basically going to give four different people in this situation that if they sin, there needs to be something done. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read bits and pieces of this. So if you guys can, follow along with me. And we'll read these four different situations. So Leviticus Chapter 4, I want to start in verse 1. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. This is how you are to deal with those who sin unintentionally by doing anything that violates one of the Lord's commands. Here's number one. If the high priest sins, bringing guilt upon the entire community, he must give a sin offering for the sin he has committed. He must present to the Lord a young bull with no defects. He must bring the bull to the Lord at the entrance of the tabernacle, lay his hand on the bull's head, and slaughter it before the Lord. Okay, let's go to number two. Look at verse 13. Number two is, if the entire Israelite community sins by violating one of the Lord's commands, but the people don't realize that they are still guilty. When they become aware of their sin, the people must bring a young bull as an offering for their sin and present it before the tabernacle. Now let's go down to verse 22. If one of Israel's leaders sins by violating one of the commands of the Lord his God, but doesn't realize it, he is still guilty. When he becomes aware of his sin, he must bring as his offering a male goat with no defects, and he must lay his hand on the goat's head and slaughter it at the place where burnt offerings are slaughtered before the Lord. This is an offering for his sin. And then finally, verse 27, if any of the common people sin by violating one of the Lord's commands, but they don't realize it, they are still guilty. And when they become aware of their sin, they must bring as an offering for their sin a female goat with no defects. Let me pray. God, this morning, I don't know what the expectations were in this room. Maybe it was to come and just hang out with friends it was just another Sunday. Our parents brought us. Maybe we're, we were excited to worship you today. We were excited to hear what your word says. And God, we're talking about something heavy today. And I just pray that in the midst of talking about sacrifices and the seriousness and the messiness of sin and understanding our own sin, God, that we would see that there's hope, that there's forgiveness, that there's repentance that there's salvation that comes when we come to you and bring our mess because Jesus, you overcame it. And so God, I pray you would speak to our students today. Would you touch their hearts today to be moved that they don't have to live with their sin anymore, that it's forgiven because of your son, Jesus. 
pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this passage, all right, here's what I want us to do. I want us to follow along with the four scenarios in this because there's four truths I want us to get that talks about what sin is. So number one is the priest. Number two is the entire community. Number three is a leader. And number four is a common person. Okay, so let's start with number one, because each one reveals an ugly truth about the seriousness of sin. Number one is the priest. The priest shows that everybody sins. Every single person sins. Okay, everyone in the world is a sinner. Everyone chooses to disobey God, whether they know it or whether they don't know it. Everyone in this world is a sinner. The worst people in the world that we see, but also some of the best people in the world that we think are all great that we see. Everyone struggles with sin. And the the reason I say that is because this is the high priest. The high priest is supposed to be the best of the best. He's supposed to be the guy, all right, the one that gets things right. He's the guy that actually performs all of the rituals to take away other people's sin. But God clearly knows, hey, you know what? The high priest, he still sins. He still messes up. And sometimes, here's what I think we do. And I remember this because in high school, I did the same thing. I think we look at our pastors, we look at leaders in the church, someone like Mike, or maybe myself, or Cooper, or Rich, or Kim, and we elevate them, and we put them on this pedestal of some kind, thinking, man, that's like my goal, they're great. They're like the ideal Christian. That's someone I want to be like. And the, and the danger that comes in when we do that, when we elevate people to this goal that we want to reach, that we think they're this ideal Christian, is to assume that they're close to perfect. And what happens is it feels worse because we're like, well, I can't match up to that. And we look at ourselves and we look at someone else. It's, it's kind of this idea of judging almost, but in a different kind of opposite way that we look at someone, we're like, well, they're so great, and I'm not. I'm, I just feel bad about myself. I'm not there. Guys, everybody sins. And I just, this morning I want to tell you, I want you to know that I'm, I'm, as someone up here on stage right now, I'm just going to share with you that I, I sin. And I want to tell you what I struggle with every day. I struggle with Pride. It's one of my biggest sins. It's something I've carried with my entire life. If I, it, when I was in high school, like, they'd ask, what, what are you struggling with right now? I struggle with pride. I'm, I'm so quick to judge. I think highly of myself. I worry what everyone thinks about me. Pride is an everyday struggle for me. Pride is an everyday struggle for your pastor. Number two, I struggle with lust. And I think sometimes we make this excuse, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a dude, so I just struggle with that. I, I just think that's crap. <laughs> because the truth is, I know a lot of girls in here that struggle with it too. And I don't want to make the excuse that just because I'm a dude means I struggle with lust. I, I struggle with it because I'm a sinner. I have thoughts I shouldn't have. I have temptations that I struggle with. And number three, I, your pastor struggles with lying I can be a liar sometimes. A lot of it has to do with my pride. I, I lie to make myself look better, but it's a daily struggle for me. 
Now, I say all this, I, I, I hope that in sharing some of these things, I hope you see that you are no worse than I am. Everybody sins. Everybody struggles with sin. Nobody gets out of this. Guys, the, the high priest sinned. If anyone was supposed to not sin, it would have been the high priest. And so I just, I want us to know that the guy that even had the process for taking away sin, he struggled with that today. And I just, my hope is, is for us as students, we understand that everyone is broken and is in need of Jesus. And I'm only up here talking to you guys because of the grace of Jesus that covers my sin. I'm not qualified to do that without him. So, there's a process here because everybody sins. He had a process for the high priest. Number two, the entire community is the next group of people. What that shows is, is that sin is communal. Sin is communal. It doesn't just affect me, it affects everybody. You don't believe me? Ask Adam and Eve. <laughs> Their sin affected everybody. They ruined it for everyone. They brought sin into the world and now everyone struggles with it. You guys, guys, we live in a broken world because everyone sins. Everyone chooses to disobey God. Everyone struggles with it. And some of you may be like, well, I don't fully understand the seriousness of sin. Why is sin so bad? Why is it a big deal to struggle with sin? So I tell a little lie sometimes. So I watch one video. So I talk back to my parents. So I cheat on this test. Why is it so awful? Well, here's the thing. One, it affects your heart. Sin affects your heart. Why? Because it's in direct opposition of God. You are in direct opposition of everything God is. Your sin is therefore not loving. It's not peaceful. It's not joyful. It's not kind. Sin is everything that God isn't. So it affects my heart. It affects my heart. Number two, just like consequences in sports, my sin affects other people. I mess up, the team is going to pay for it, right? That's what happened in sports. But I sin, someone else in my life might get hurt. Stuff like, I say something mean, I probably hurt a friend. I watch porn, I'm probably hurting my future spouse. I lie, I ruin someone's trust. I cheat, I affect grade rounding, right? I judge, I treat someone poorly. You also see this world, the world that we live in, we're affected by the sins of the world. If there's a sinful leader in place and they make a decision based out of their sin, we experience that. But also, there are people in our lives, we just experience sin, right? If there's a leader in power making a wrong decision because of themselves, we feel it. If we have parents getting a divorce, we feel it. We feel the consequences of sin because sin is so bad it doesn't just affect me. And then number three, my sin, it doesn't just affect my heart, it doesn't just affect other people, it affects my relationship with God. My sin hurts God because I go against God even after he gives me grace and forgiveness, even after he says, I've rescued you, I've given you salvation, just follow me. The consequences, guys, of sin are really serious. The consequences of sin are eternal separation from God. They're death, they're hell. 
Sin is that serious because sin cannot be in the neighborhood with God. Sin is bad. And so, it's so bad that it doesn't just affect me, but it can affect other people. Number three, when we look at sinful people in the story, what God is talking about here is Israel's leaders, and here's the truth that comes with this. My sin affects my influence. My sin affects my influence. Even the leaders of the people of God, they sinned against him. Now, no, it's not the high priest this time, but it is the leaders in the community, and they fell short. They messed up because they're sinful. My sin affects my influence because when I sin, when I choose to live as a way that isn't with God, when I choose to act like the broken world I live in, I start to look like the broken world I live in. And there's nothing irresistible about it. People may look at me and say, well, you're living just like everyone else is living, so why should I go and live like that? Right? It affects my influence. And maybe you've seen this, but sin, it can affect trust. It can ruin friendships. It can break apart families. Sin is messy. My sin, it affects my witness. And it affects my influence. Guys, it's another way why sin is so destructive. It's so destructive. And then if we look at number four, we've talked about the priest and it shows that everybody sins. We've talked about the entire community. It shows that sin is communal. It can affect other people. Number three, we talked about the leaders and how sin can affect my influence. And then four, common people is who God is talking about here. If any common people sin, what this shows is my sin affects me. It affects me. And I don't think this needs much explaining. Those of you that walk in here with something you're struggling with, I'm assuming you would agree that it affects you. You know how it's affected you. It's heavy. It's heavy. It's messy. It brings shame. Sin is always messy. It's always messy because it goes against God, and it might feel good in the moment when we sin. It might feel good, but I guarantee you it's not going to feel good later because sin is always messy. So here's the thing. Here's what sin is. One, sin, everybody sins. Sin, it hurts everyone. Sin, it hurts my influence. Sin, it hurts me. Now, I wanted to share all of that because I think sometimes we don't always talk about the seriousness of sin, but I don't want to rest on it. I don't want to rest on it this morning. I don't want to rest on the shame and the things that come with sin because here is where I want to flip the script because the purpose here is not to leave feeling awful about my sin. It's not, how, it's not to leave here thinking about, man, how I'm hurting people. It's not how I might be affecting my influence. It's good to be aware of those things. It's good to be aware that sin does that, but that's not the thing here. Again, the purpose is not to leave with shame. It's to leave with hope. And here's why the passage today talks more about hope than it does about consequence. If you guys still have your Bibles open, I want you to see this. This passage talks more about hope than it does about consequence. If you look at verse 12, for the priest, it explains that when the priest was to offer a sacrifice, it says, carry it away to the place outside the camp that is ceremonially clean, the place where the ashes are dumped, there on the ash heap, he will burn it on a wood fire. In other words, there should be no evidence of this sacrifice for the priest. 
which means there should be no evidence of your sin. When you take this away, when you bring it before God, when you bring your sin, there will be no evidence of that sin. That's the power of the cross. He takes away every bit of evidence. He's like, I don't see it anymore. It's gone. If you look at verse 20, for the entire Israelite community, here's the hope here. It says, through this process, the priests will purify the people, making them right with the Lord, and they will be forgiven. Jump down to verse 26 for the leader. Through this process, the priest will purify the leader from his sin, making him right with the Lord, and he will be forgiven. For the common people, look at verse 31. Through this process, the priest will purify the people, making them right with the Lord, and they will be forgiven. Guys, your sin is forgiven. When you bring it to the Lord, your sin is forgiven. But here's the thing, there is a process. You need to bring it to God. You've got to bring it to him and let him take it away. Meaning when you bring it before the Lord, just like with the sacrifices, what God does is he makes sure there is no evidence of that sin anymore. When you take that to him, you can rest in the confidence that there's no evidence of that sin anymore. It is gone. It is covered. They got rid of every piece of the sacrifice, which means that when you ask God, when you come to him and say, God, I'm sinful, here is my sin, will you please forgive me? God gets rid of any evidence that comes with it. How does he do that? How does God do that? I want to go back to the four situations. Number one, the priest. The priest shows that everybody sins. Well, here's the truth. Somebody didn't sin. Somebody didn't sin. And the entire community, when they sinned, it shows that sin hurts everyone. Well, someone made a way for everyone. And the leader shows that sin affects influence. Well, somebody influenced everyone. Somebody influenced everyone's eternities. And the common people shows that sin hurts me. Somebody saved me. When Jesus went to the cross, he overcame sin. Every single one. He overcame the big ones and he overcame the little ones. Jesus, when he went to the cross, he made a way for everyone. He made a way for the murderer and he made a way for the little liar. The cross, it influenced everyone. It changed everyone's eternities, that those who believe in him, it changed eternities. And Jesus, he saved me. My sin, because of the cross, there's no evidence of it. Here's the big verse for you guys this morning. It's 1 John 1.9. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. It's gone. Jesus promises, just like in this Old Testament passage, when you bring your sin before the Lord, he is faithful to forgive it every time. Not just sometimes, every single time. You bring your sin, it's gone. That's what Jesus promises when he went to the cross and he died for you. So here's the question. What can I offer when I sin? What can I offer before the Lord? If sin is this serious, if sin is this bad, what can I offer when I bring sin? When I have sin, what you can offer is something called confession. That's a scary word. It's a scary word because we don't want to reveal sin. 
We don't want to bring it out in the open. We want to keep it to ourselves. But if, we, if we've learned anything in this passage in this series, God wants everything to do with getting that out so he can wipe it away. If you choose to keep it in and not confess it, not get rid of it, then it stays in and it affects you. But God has a process. He says, you want to get rid of your sin, then you bring it before me and let me get rid of it because I can. Here's the thing. Confession is, is something you can do that, I, I think some of us assume, man, so I need to like find a f- someone in here right now and just start confessing sin. I don't, I don't think that's always what confession means. All right? I think a lot of times it isn't. I think confession starts first with confessing it to God. Bringing it to God and saying, God, here's my sin. Will you please forgive me? But I also think there is something too, to maybe to someone else, but I'm, I'm not just saying anyone, but a trusted friend, a small group leader. You guys are going to be in small groups this year. What a great place to bring your sin to say, hey, I'm struggling with, with this. Here's the thing. If you want, if you want forgiveness... If you want Jesus to wipe it away, all you have to do is ask for forgiveness and he's going to take it away. Maybe this morning it's time to ask God, for some of you, I want to be forgiven of all my sin. Maybe it's time to ask Jesus into my life because the cool thing is Jesus in my life, when he comes into my life, when the Holy Spirit comes into my life, it means I'm clean forever. Nothing can take that away. Like I've got eternity stamped. I'm forgiven forever. Now, that doesn't mean I won't still have to ask for forgiveness because what forgiveness is, is it's a part of sanctification, which is a fancy word for saying getting right with God over and over and over and over again. But accepting Jesus means you get eternity and heaven with it. But I know for a lot of us, we bring sin in here and what we need to do is we just need to ask for forgiveness because we know that when we do that, There's no evidence. God wipes it out. And so here's what I want to do. I want to invite the band up right now. And what we're going to do is we're going to do a responsive thing right now. If you guys look under your chairs, you guys each have a note card under there, and there are pens scattered throughout too, so you're probably going to have to share with someone. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to respond, what can I offer when I sin? What I can offer is something called confession. And what I want you guys to do is I want you to take that note card and I want you to name that sin. I want you to name that sin that you need forgiveness for. Okay? And and listen, I I don't know if I'm going to believe it if you're like in here and you're like, I don't know what to write down. Like, I... I'm willing to bet that if I say, what's that sin, you know exactly what it is. And how I want us to respond is I want us to write it down as an act of confession to say, here's what I struggle with, all right? And here's the thing, like, don't, also, like, if you're sitting next to the person, like, don't be that person that's like, oh, what are you, (laughs) right? That's not what this time is for, okay? This is between you and God. Okay, you and God to say, I'm naming my sin right here, and I'm going to confess it. All right, but that's just the first step of this responsive element, okay? What I want you to do 
after you write it down, is I want you to sit there for a little bit and I just want you to sit and I want you to pray and I want you to ask God to forgive you of that sin. Okay? Because when you ask God to forgive you of that sin, guess what? He takes it away. It's gone. There's no evidence of that sin in God's eyes anymore. And to show how we trust in that, how we know that, when you're done praying over that, what I want you to do is I want you to crumple up that card. I want you to crumple it up, and we've got a trash can sitting right here in the front of the room. Balcony, you've got one right at the top of the stairs, okay? I want you to take that sin, I want you to walk it to the trash can, I want you to throw it in, and trust that when you throw it in, it's gone. That you don't have to deal with that anymore because God covers that. When you ask for forgiveness, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all of it. So what we're going to do is I'm going to pray, and what I want you guys to do is I want you to write that sin down. I want you to pray over it. I want you to ask God for forgiveness. I want you to bring it to the trash can, throw it away, and be done with it. And be done with it. Because that's what God says happens when you ask for forgiveness and you bring it to him. Let me pray. God, I ask right now that you would forgive each and every student in this room because we've all fallen short. We all struggle with sin and I I pray over every word that's written on every note card, God, that you would be just and faithful just as you say to forgive us and cleanse us. And God, may may our students rest in the hope and the confidence and the trust that you have saved them, you have cleansed them, and you promised them eternity and hope forever with you. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, everyone, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the message, we'd love it if you would join us on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. for our Eastview Students High School service. We also want to invite you to subscribe to the podcast and share it to your social media accounts. To stay up to date, check us out on Instagram at EastviewHSM and check out our Eastview Students YouTube channel. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.